remain standing for the gospel reading, which comes to us this morning from the book of Luke. So hear now these words. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like these other people, thieves and rogues and adulterers and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven. But he was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. As I mentioned, today is, in fact, Reformation Sunday. It is also Commitment Sunday, and here we have this text in Luke. So it really wasn't clear to me when I began thinking about this Sunday what I was going to make of all these things. If you'll recall, two weeks ago, Carol gave us a passage in Luke about a leper returning to the feet of Jesus. Lauren, then after her, giving us a passage in Luke about the widow who protests for justice. This text this morning is not so different from those, but it also has some unique parts in and of itself. Last week, in particular, we know that the text had its audience announced from the beginning. It was for all of us who need to keep praying and not lose heart. This week, we find that the parable is specifically for some who trust in themselves that they are righteous and regard others with contempt. And so Jesus might be telling us this story, if it is possible that we might ever consider ourselves righteous or regard others with contempt. Now, the two characters in this parable would be familiar to the original listeners, but it's worth reminding ourselves of a few things. The Pharisees were everything we remember them to be, but they were also liberals who wanted to bring the message of the Torah to the people. So in a sense, they were, in fact, religious leaders, liberal religious leaders. And upon discovering this, I look at my colleagues and say, yikes. But the tax collectors, they were not the IRS. And I just finished a payment plan with the IRS, so I'm not going to say anything further about them. Um, But the tax collectors would have been known to the people. They were working for the empire, and they legally collected money to send back to Rome, but they were in the business of defrauding the community and extracting wealth from the poor. So praying to be seen in the temple, the Pharisee prayed thus, thank you, God, I am not like all these other people. In doing so, that Pharisee was setting himself above people that he othered into sinfulness. But then this tax collector, the one whom those first listeners would have had a preemptive reason to dismiss, He's the one who prays in the way that this parable and Jesus elevate. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The parable concludes, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. So what are we to make 
of this parable and of humility. Our identities as infinite and intersectional as they are, how can we hear something universal in this passage? Well, let's try. I don't know about you, but when I listen to the Pharisee and the way he names categories of people with contempt, I hear someone who's afraid, deep down, and insecure. Now, the reason I hear this is because when I am operating out of my own fear and insecurity, that's when I tend to play this game where I compare myself with other people, but the way the game works, I always end out on the better end. I'm always better in that game that I play. And so when we're most critical of others, I think, and when we have contempt for others, I think it can often be a projection of our own contempt for ourselves, our own insecurities. But the tax collector, we return to the tax collector, the one who prays for mercy, he does not other people different from himself into sinfulness. He identifies himself as the sinner, and our scripture elevates his humility as the virtue to be sought after. So now, Highland, we are in officially dangerous territory. We have humility and sinfulness. So, what of humility and sinfulness? For me, when I think of humility, I think that we have to be honest. The process of being humbled, if we are honest with each other here today, feels horrible. It is the worst experience for me, and maybe for you, because for me, humility has that same root as humiliation. And I think about those times when I have been humiliated, and only in retrospect can I appreciate them as giving me the gift of humility. So I want to think of humiliation not as shame, but What comes when we are laid bare and most vulnerable? When we are in recognition that we are not in control and it hurts? I'll give you some light examples of these. My friend Keith was here earlier. Uh, He has known me since third grade, so best friend of 20 years. And he can tell you about in third grade when I thought I was funny and opened gym and his cousin punched me in the mouth. That was humiliating. Keith jokes later it was so bad that I skipped fourth grade. and continue to make a fool of myself in fifth, which, which Keith could tell you about, and, and on and on and on. He knows me well enough that he's seen me in my humiliating phases. But then I can also remember a time in my life when a negative bank account balance was not a surprise, but regularly scheduled programming. So I remember like on the 13th and on the 29th of every month being afraid, or actually not being afraid, just knowing what was going to happen when I opened my uh, Chasic.com account. Humiliating. And it's actually humiliating still to admit that. But on a more serious note, all of us have had those conversations or those realizations in life where a sentence changes everything, when a relationship is lost without explanation, when our vocational dreams are cast into crippling doubt, when we receive news of a diagnosis or some other life-altering fact. These conversations or these realizations advent seasons into being that sometimes last months or years. And in those seasons, the questions come to us all. I think they're familiar to you and to me. Who am I? What am I supposed to do? Am I good enough? Where is God? In these moments and seasons when we find ourselves most vulnerable, we have a choice to make. One choice is the path of anger and of resentment. We can, if we take this choice, we can take our most painful experiences and let them become a wellspring of anger that hardens us to life and to other people. 
But if we listen to Jesus, the one who became most vulnerable, we can choose a different path. The path of humility is the path where we remember our most difficult experiences and we use them as a foundation for loving other people. The path of humility is one that leads us to recognize all of us need mercy. We need help. I need help and you need help. I remember specifically 2013, I was new to this congregation. I was struggling, and I remember in that year in particular, not just that year, but in that year in particular, I received help of all kinds from members of this congregation, from my friends, and from my family. And when I was saying thank you, it might have sounded like the same, like, you know, kind of simple thank you, but really what I meant was I literally would not be making it without you. Thank you. (laughs) So that's what humility looks like for me. It means never forgetting, never forgetting those most difficult moments, but always in remembering pursuing love, leaving contempt behind. So humility, I think we can get a fairly easy grip on, but sin is the tricky one because too often sin and shame go hand in hand, taking us down a path that's not helpful for us or anyone else. But Carol, who I'm fortunate to work with and alongside, offered an understanding of sin two weeks ago where she she suggested, what if we rethink sin into being distanced from God and distanced from one another? Thinking in this way, like a leper running back to the feet of Jesus and thanks for healing, so too should we return, thanking God for giving us our lives back and thanking one another for supporting us when we did not think we were going to make it. And we know that those seasons are not just in the past. They might come in the future. Humility is acknowledging we need each other, past, present, and future. And I think that reminding myself of that is what keeps me an acknowledgement that I need God. But what of the Reformation? So it's Reformation Sunday. There's no way to, like, easily transition into uh, all of that. So we have now transitioned. But the Reformation... (laughs) The Reformation was that first protest against Catholic corruption, Luther and Calvin and others um, whom you might know you might not. But that first protest of Catholic corruption centuries ago continued in the Protestant Reformation, and it has not taken all Christians to the same place, as it turns out. Many have followed the Reformation into bastions of power and privilege in which cisgender white men still rule, where racism is still rampant, as is the dehumanizing of women and atrocities committed against the LGBTQ community, and you will find that such Christians may still call themselves Reformed. Now, our own Reformation, which has continued here at Highland, has thankfully taken us far afield from our first Southern Baptist beginnings. A lot of us can acknowledge these things, and we know them, but the mistake here would be to discard our humility and to elevate ourselves over others with contempt. We must not do that. The Reformation will continue here at Highland only so long as we humble ourselves. If we are willing to choose the path of humility, if we are willing to admit often that we need mercy, each of us, then new life and renewal are present for us morning by morning. You may have heard of some chaos up in the youth suite this morning, which I hadn't planned to talk about, but Robert reminded me before the service that they could, in fact, hear all of the youth from downstairs. But I was actually planning to speak of the youth last Wednesday when 
things were a bit chaotic to start, and I don't mean to say that they were apart from me. I actually joined them in the chaoticness, uh, so I was a party to it. But we were planning to decorate the bus for children for Halloween, for Trunk or Treat. And we started in a disorderly, chaotic, and fun fashion, and we made a bit of a mess, but then we went outside together, and I was with our youth as they sat in the grass in freedom with one another. Embarrassingly, my voice caught as I reminded them and myself that we need each other. I'm not going to make it without Silas or Iris or Nicole or Rachel or Ava or Cole or Andrew or Elise or Meredith or any of them. We cannot do it alone. But the freedom that comes in naming that we need one another is a freedom that comes from God. So here at Highland, we remind ourselves of the stories of Jesus. We pursue God together because we are choosing to leave contempt behind for love. Ministries that seek wholeness for children and families, youth and adults across the lifespan, such ministries cannot be run on contempt. Nor can Friday Church, ministries for global partnerships, for LGBTQ equality, justice for immigrants, anti-racism, the environment, food justice, or any others. Should pride and contempt ever become the foundation of these things, then all of our efforts are for nothing. But if we humble ourselves, we will continue to receive glimpses of what pursuit of God and humility and love can look like. I don't like to be pigeonholed, but I am going to reference a specific song here by the Avett Brothers. I listen to many other things, but I found an Avett Brothers lyric uh, in this past week off their new album, and it goes like this. Tell the truth to yourself, and the rest will fall in place. Tell the truth to yourself, and the rest will fall in place. Humility starts here for me. The truth is that I need God, and I need each of you. In seeking God and relationship here at Highland, resurrection has often, not always, but often, resurrection has been the response for me. So if resurrection has been the response for you, or if it is the response that you are looking for, I hope you will consider what a commitment to covenant relationship with us might look like today and in the days ahead. Now, we have to be honest, we are not perfect by any stretch. Things are not always pretty. I can reference a few church business meetings, if you would like, after the service. We are not perfect by a long, long stretch, but we are always alongside God, never alone. Amen.